Tonight, we're going to be in Exodus 6, so if you want to turn there, that's where we'll be, as I turn there. So, uh, tonight we'll be in Exodus 6, and I'm going to back up a little bit into 5 to verse 22, just to kind of get... Um, a grasp on this, what's going on in this chapter. But um, in 5, you know, we're coming out of uh, Moses hadn't gone to Pharaoh and saying, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh then, you know, not, not doing that, but instead putting more on the people, um, taking away the hay, having them now make bricks without hay and keeping the same quota and just putting more and more weight on the Israelites. So as Israel is now just upset at Moses and, and, and the situation that they're in, now we find where we're going to start tonight, and it's Moses um, returning to the Lord and now speaking with the Lord. But before we jump there, um, there's a, a verse that I want us to kind of just think about as we go through tonight, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to you, uh, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and, and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me, and when you search for me with and search for me with all your heart. So with that, let's just pray, and then we'll jump right into this text. Father, we just Lord, come to you tonight, um, just asking that you would speak to each of our hearts, Lord, um, just what it is you've, you've spoken to me throughout this, studying this part of scripture, Lord, may you just be able to put it into words so that I may speak it um, to everyone here, Lord, and, and just as we remind ourselves of, of who you are in our lives and, and, and the plans that you have for us, and that they're for good, Lord, and um, that though we may not understand it, um, know that you are good and, and it's for our good. So, Lord, would you just open our ears and our hearts to receive what it is you have for us tonight? In Jesus' name, Amen. So that 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 verse, the part of scripture there in Jeremiah, just that really that one part where it says to give you a future and a hope. And when I think of chapter six here, um, it's really God reassuring Moses and then having Moses reassure the people that He has a plan that. It's going to go forth that um, he hasn't forgotten or, or his plan isn't that it's not going accordingly, but it is. And, and, and he's, going to, he's going to continue it and he's going to end up um, redeeming his people from Egypt. So just a future and a hope. Just know that through the process, it's, it's, there's a future and there's a hope to it. And so it's really his assurance, his assurance to Moses um, when I look at this, um, of the plan that he has for their lives. So as we start in chapter 5, verse 22, it's just those two chapters, or two verses there, it says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So Pharaoh's added the affliction to the Israelites. He's made it more difficult for their situation in Egypt. <laughs> and Moses then comes and, 
and comes with a question to God and, and just, what is going on? What I don't understand this plan. Uh, he's made it worse. They're still in Egypt. You said you'd let them go. And what's going on? And I, I see just a few things here, but uh, we get blinded to the plan that God has in our lives by the circumstances that we find ourselves in, by the trials that we go through in the midst of it. And really, Moses comes and begs the question again because Israel comes to Moses and is just like, you know, look what you've done. Like, you've, by you going to Pharaoh, hasn't set us free, but has made it worse for us. And so Moses, you know, knowing the plan of God, but thinking that the plan should go his way rather than God's way. And I think that's where Moses gets a little tripped up here and comes back to God to beg the question of, what are you doing? <clears throat> but it's interesting, as we see, even if we go back to chapter 4, verse 21, I'll read it here. And, and it's that, you know, God even warned Moses of this. It's not like this is something new to Moses, but it's something that God said would happen and that it is a part of his plan. <clears throat> and I'll read it. It says here, it says, uh, chapter 4, verse 21, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. <clears throat> so he's saying, you're going to go, you're going to say this, but his heart's going to be hardened and he's not going to let you go this time. So when we, when we go through this chapter, it's just God just really patiently reminding Moses of, the plans that he has for not only Moses, but all the people of Israel. <clears throat> and what it, what it brings to me and, and to remembrance to me is, is John sixteen thirty three. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we all find ourselves in trials. We all find ourselves in the midst of God's plan, not understanding his plan in our lives. Uh, and, and I think that's where we find Moses and Israel right now. They're in the midst of God's plan. They're in right where God would have them be to be delivered from Israel. But in the midst of it, trials will come. Uh, situations occur that will be able to stir in us a question of, is this right? Uh, am I in the right place? Is this where I should be? You know, are you sure you know what you're doing, God? But in that, we're to always be reminded of who God is and his character and that and the promises that he has for us i mean in john 16:33 there it says you know i've said these things so that i could give you peace but know that you will still be in the world and in the world there is still trouble and trials like just because i'm going to give you this peace doesn't mean that in the world things will not come up come upon our lives that are going to try and steal that peace away from us. And that's really what's, what's happening here is uh, Moses and Israel are being distracted from the plan and allowing the things of the world to take away this peace of, in this understanding of God's plan for their lives. <clears throat> so we all go through a process and we all go through these seasons in life. And, you know, some are easier than others and some are more difficult. And, and I think Alan Redpath says it the best. And he says, uh, the conversion of a soul is but a moment, but the making of a saint takes a lifetime. <laughs> and what he's saying there is, you know, you come, we come to an understanding of who Jesus is in our lives and we, and we receive salvation. And that's a moment in our life. 
And it doesn't end there, but our life just begins there because now there's that process of sanctification as we walk through the things that happen to us, the trials, the the temptations, the different seasons in life to where now the Lord is building in us a character. He's he's got us on this road towards sanctification. And I really see that for Moses and Israel in this time. Uh, As we look uh, through this chapter, he's going to remind them of the plans, but He's also setting them on a path towards a testimony, uh, if we can look at it like that. Because without, you know, this part of, of Exodus where God comes and he does all these plagues and, and takes Israel out of Egypt, it'd be a very short book and it'd be pretty uneventful. Um, you know, we look back on, these, on, this, on, this, on what God did in Egypt for the people of Israel and we see a testimony and, and one that... It's for Moses, it's for the Israelites to look upon a God who has the power to deliver them from, at this time, Pharaoh, who is the most powerful man in the world, uh, to have control over their lives. But knowing that God has ultimate control and that he is building within them a testimony. And it kind of, it brought uh, this idea to me. I watched this show called uh, Meat Eater. Um, For those that don't know, it's a hunting show. Um, really cool if you're into hunting and things like that. Uh, really good show. Uh, but anyway, he talks about, there's this one part where he's in um, Prince of Wales Island in Alaska. And this part in Alaska gets 160 inches of rain a year. It's a really wet, miserable place, but it's a good place for hunting. So he finds himself there, and, he, and he's hunting with a buddy, and he comes to this um, quote that, I forget who he quoted, but I'm quoting him, so figure out where he got it from, I forget. But it's this idea of cheap fun, and he, that there's these different levels of fun in our lives. Um, there's cheap fun, and then there's you know, other types of fun, 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 um, interesting fun. The fun that we actually tell stories about, you know? Um, so the cheap fun, he relates to a, a roller coaster. So we go to a theme park, and we get on a roller coaster, and we just hop on. It's a couple minutes, and our adrenaline's going. It's fun. And then we get off, and we're like, woo, yeah, awesome. You know, but then we walk away, and we don't really talk about it again. It's not like I go and share with my friends years down the line. You remember that roller coaster that we are on? It was so awesome. And like, you don't share those stories. Um, but the stories that he does share are, and what he's likening it to, is his hunts that were hard his hunts that were in the rain, that took weeks, that he was out there for weeks, didn't see a deer, didn't see what he was out there to get, and it was just miserable and a lot of waiting and just, you know, uh, with his binoculars looking around, not seeing anything, poured on rain, cold, tired, achy, all those things, and then all of a sudden, there's the deer. There's what he was after, and it's in his sights, and now his adrenaline's going, and it's, the time has come, and he takes a shot, and he takes it home. It's those stories that he shares. It's those stories that, in our lives, for, to liken it to myself, um, you know, it's the time we went down to California with the uh, Mudman truck and not really knowing what we were getting into, but going into a pastor's conference, having to figure out where we're going to get the food and then figure out how we're going to prep it there um, with a kitchen that's two stories up in this, uh, in this church and we've got to bring it down to our truck. And like, it, it's those stories that we share. It was hard and it was long hours and it was just... This, but that's what I share, you know. I don't share the easy things that come, you know, just like, oh, it's another day at Mudman. We did 200 and something, and yeah, it was awesome. It was fun. Like, no, we share the things that were, tro- that were hard. And all that to liken it back to, you know, Israel and Moses at this time, you know, our testimonies and, and Israel's testimony, uh, 
the reason that they're worthwhile is because they're not cheap. You know, our testimonies aren't cheap. Our testimonies, uh, what he, the Lord walks us through, what He takes us through in the day-to-day life, and those things that are hard and the struggles that come, you know, uh, they're for a reason, but they're exactly the things that happen in our lives that the Lord then uses for us to share later on and, and to bring Him glory and to bring Him <laughs> honor through it. So... As we look at Israel in this time, you know, he's building in them a testimony so that years, generations down the line, and we even find ourselves sitting here now talking about it um, as they share with their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids of this God who was able to redeem them from Egypt and take them out of this turmoil and into life, you know, into the, into the land of Canaan. <clears throat> so that's really... You know, as we hop in here, is is what I believe the Lord is doing is, is He's building a testimony for, for Israel, and He's not only that, but He needs to remind them throughout the process, as He needs to remind us daily that we're in process, that the plan is His, and that you know we do know the ending, but the ending will only come after we've lived the life that He has for us on this on this earth here and now, and there may be trouble in it, you know, but to remember. Who's leading us through it? So, and it's all to make himself more known to Israel, to, to have this deeper relationship with Israel. And the same for us, our testimonies, the trials that we go through, the process, the seasons. It's all to give us a deeper understanding of who God is so that we can then share that deeper understanding with those that are around us. So as we continue on in uh, now chapter 6, verse 1. It says, <clears throat> Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. So it's, it's, it's really cool here because we just went from Moses talking to the Lord and saying, You know, you haven't delivered your people at all complaining, you know, this and that. But it's very cool to see what God does here. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't, you know, say, how dare you question the plans that I have or anything like that. But he just gently and confidently goes into what his plan is for the people of Israel and for Moses. Um, And he starts off here by reminding them, you know, of whose hand is going to deliver them. And that it's not a weak hand, but it's a strong hand. and, and at this time, Pharaoh is the strongest hand that, that Israel and Moses sees, you know, on this earth. You know, he's the most powerful man in the world right now. Uh, he, he's put them in bondage. Uh, he's enslaved the whole nation of Israel, and they're now his slaves, and they're to do what he says. And it's, it's just this weight that they cannot bear any longer. <clears throat> but God says this to then say that, Though you've experienced this man, though you've experienced this trouble and this turmoil and all these things, know that my hand is stronger. Know that, know that the hand that's going to deliver you, you see this man here on earth and see that he's strong and you can't bear it. But know that my hand is stronger and it's going to be the one to deliver you out of this. So he's just giving them a picture of like, you can't bear this, but understand that I'm so much greater. I'm so much greater than this man that you claim to have so much power uh, in your world. <clears throat> and... For I look at myself and it, it's what in my life do I see that has a mighty hand 
in my life? Like, what do I give weight to in this world? What, uh, what's mighty in my life that, that can turn my eyes from God at the time and onto either my situation or things that's happening? And, and for me right now, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's hospital bills and, it, and it's long hours, you know, um, working away from my family. And it's the two things that always can trip me up. You know, Tuesday, Monday, Monday night, we were in the hospital again with Judah, you know, getting sick and not being able to breathe. And, you know, we're going again. And now we're spending the night again in the hospital. And he's, you know, getting breathing treatments and all this stuff. And I just found myself a lot easier this time going into it, having done it twice before, you know, once up here and then once in uh, New York, uh, you know, and that's where the hospital bills come from because now I'm taking an ambulance ride in New York to the hospital. And it's just like, what's going on, Lord? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gave us this kid, you know, and now we got troubles and it's, you know, he's just sick and it's this and it's that, you know, but those are the things that could weigh mighty in my life. Those are the things that could weigh me down in life. I could have my eyes on that rather than on the God who is uh, in control of my life. So all of that to say, and, and it's a testimony, you know, and I look at it all and, you know, I got to pay some hospital bills. Okay. You know, um, but more than that, you know, Lord, why are you bringing us through these things with Judah? Why are you having us go to hospitals with him? And, 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 and why is he struggling so hard every time he gets sick? You know, it's like every time he gets sick, it's just like it's on the back of my mind. It's like we're going to go to the hospital again. You know, we're going to be in the night. We're going to spend another night there and, you know, whatever. And, and I've prepared myself, but I prepared myself for it, you know. But he's also given me a testimony to share for other families, for other uh, new um, parents to be able to be like, you know, the time's going to come where he's going to get sick, you know, and you're going to need to make the decision to go to the hospital or not. And from where I sit and what I can share, at least for the new parent or anything, if there's anything going on wrong with your kid and, like, you've got a question in your mind, like, just go. You know, it, you know, the hospital bills will come, but just go because there's a greater peace of mind of being able to be in that hospital in a place where people can actually take care of them, you know, and and uh, then have to think about, you know, hospital bills later on. I just, you know, and he's given me that testimony, though, to be like, you know, these are the things that you look for in a kid, you know. It's like, I could tell you all different things about kids breathing now and croup cough and, you know, what's happening in him and the, and the drugs and the steroids that he needs and all this other stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, we're really good at seeing those signs now. So, like, you know, any parent, you know, my kid's making this noise, you know, and they ask me, and she's like, oh, well, you know, that's fine, that's normal. No, that's something you need to go and get checked out. You know, like, I've gained in knowledge in this, and I believe the Lord's done it for a reason. You know, I don't know who I'm going to be able to share that with later on in my life, you know, and, or who's going to need to hear that information, and because the Lord had me walk through it. And the same for Israel here. Like, the Lord is going to walk them through this, um, through this trial, through this... Uh, inevitable testimony for them and it's so that they can then share who god is as redeemer as savior as the one that takes us out from the world and, and brings us into the promised land <clears throat> so he's and and he prepares us uh I, I look back and you know as 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 moses was warned you know in chapter four of like this is what's going to happen like he prepares us too and um Chapter 3, even in chapter 3, verses 19 uh, through 20, 
says, But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that he will let you go. He's laid out the plan for Moses. He's laid it out. And he's saying that he's going to be the one to, 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 let, uh, the, you know, to get the people to be set free. And for me, even in my life, like uh, likening it to the hours that, you know, I spend away from my family and just, you know, long days turn into long weeks, turn into long months, you know, and desiring, you know, more time with them. But he also prepared me too going into this season. And then when I look back, I know that he prepared me for it um, because there was times like when we were building Kalispell and we we're building it out, I'd come to Kendra, I'd be like, the time's going to come where I'm going to be taking this place and I'm going to be here and it's going to be um, it's going to be long hours and long nights. And, you know, I, I would remind her every so often, like, you know, the time's going to come where, you know, and he was preparing it within me with all the time leading up to that of, of, of you know, figuring out tamales, of figuring out, you know, Mudman, of, of, of being in the basement of this church, you know, making red sauce at 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know. And it's like he's prepared me along this way. Yes, it's more difficult now because I have a wife and a kid and, like, my heart is torn between these things. But it also there's a call on my life, you know. There's a call, and it's a call to be a father. It's a call to be a husband. It's a call to be a part of this ministry and what it is doing in, in the world. It's a call to be a disciple of the Lord and whatever that looks like. Um, and it, what, it, what it led me to was, well, what, you know, I was talking with Jordan with this, like, last week or something, and he just led me to this part of Scripture, and I was like, you know, I'm using that in my teaching. And he was like, yeah, I was going to use that in mine. I was like, yeah, but I'm up first, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, I told him he could use it because you guys probably wouldn't remember, and he'd bring it up, and it'd be fine. Um, but it, it's Luke 18, and at least for this time in my life, um, and where I find the enemy getting in, and for me, where I would struggle at times, is this. And, and so, it's verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 24. It says, And when Jesus saw, this is after the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, uh, you know, what do I need to do to uh, obtain the kingdom? And he says, you know, don't steal, don't do all these things. He says, yes, I've done those things. He's like, okay, well, you lack one thing, you've got to give it all. Uh, and he then walks away. And now the disciples come to him and it says and when jesus saw that uh he became very sorrowful he said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of god for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god and those who heard it said uh who then can be saved but he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with god then peter said see we have left all and followed you and this is the reassuring part right here. He says, So he said to him, uh, to them, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parent or brother or wife or, ch- or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and the age to come eternal life. <clears throat> and what that says to me is, is there's nothing I can sacrifice. There's no time away from my family that I can sacrifice um, that God will not give me more of in this time to come. And not only that, but in towards eternal life. Um, and that's where I got to come back to. That's where I got to find myself. <laughs> it's okay, no, it's all right, man. <laughs> it all happens. <laughs> um, but that's where I got to find myself. I got to find myself. Uh, 
back in that promise, knowing that I can't sacrifice enough here that God will not meet me at and exceed way more abundantly in this life now and the eternal life to come. And that's what I got to remind myself. And I got to remind myself daily. Like, it's not just like, oh, I got this now and then I won't find myself a day or two down the line playing the this world's smallest violin to myself of how, how many hours or whatever, you know, this or that. You know, I will find myself there again. But I have a promise to go back to. And that promise is from God. And that's where I need to rest. And for Moses and for Israel, you know, there's a promise that God has for them. There's a plan that he has for their lives. And that's what they need to go back to. And that's what he's trying to get Moses back to now so that he can then bring it to Israel and share it with them. That this plan is of God and it will go forth. Uh, So verse 2, we're going to continue in verse 2 to verse 3. I'm just going to kind of go through verses to verses here. um, But I'll keep backtracking to keep us along. It says, "And, And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. So, right there was very, very interesting to me. And what he's saying there is that, you know, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, they understood God in one way. And that word know isn't just to know, like to know his name. Uh, that it's either you know God Almighty or Lord here, which is Jehovah. Um, it's not just that they knew that name as like a knowledge, but like an experiential understanding of knowing Jehovah. Um, <clears throat> so they knew him by God Almighty there, and and that to know him by that name was for them to understand that God would fulfill needs for them, um, that would meet them to fulfill needs in, in whatever wherever they found themselves. But what they didn't understand him as is Jehovah. And for here, and in this situation with Israel and Moses, they didn't understand him as a redeemer, as someone that could take them out from this bondage and bring them into life. Um, That's what they didn't understand. And that's what he's saying here, is that they don't understand me in this way. And this process and this plan is for them to gain this understanding of who I am in this way. And it brought me back to myself and and, and when I was first saved and... uh, and just trying to understand who God is in my life. And to not know him you know, by a certain name you know, kept ringing in my head. And it reminded me of you know, what name do we know God by? Um, and one way that I asked myself that and, and that I, where I found myself was every time I'd pray, I'd either say God or Lord. I would, I would, I would speak to him saying God or Lord, you know, I come to you, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'd lay out my prayer in that way. You know, I'd, and I'd use Jesus from time to time, but the one name, the one name for him that I never really saw myself using was Father. And I asked myself one time, it's just like, why am I not, you know, acknowledging God as Father? I mean, I can acknowledge him as God, you know, to, and I kind of broke these three names in, or four names into, you know, kind of how I viewed God by this name. And when I would say God, I would see him as like all powerful and all knowing. Um, and mighty, you know, and when, you know, when we see Father, we think of loving, you know, caring, and um, willing to do whatever it takes, and, 
And as we see, Lord, I saw authority. I saw, you know, someone that has the authority in my life to, to lead me in a way and, and uh, in that sense. And then when it came to Jesus, I saw, you know, Savior, intercessor, the one that could um, take away my sins and restore me to who God is. So I could see him in all these things. But the one thing that was really hard for me to acknowledge him by was Father. I never really found myself saying it. I hear others say, you know, Father, Father, Father. And it wasn't until I continued in my walk with him that I then gained an understanding of what it is, you know, of him as a father. And, and even more so where I find myself now being a father that I can understand it more. Because, you know, I grew up in a divorced home. My dad died when I was a teenager. I didn't really understand what a father was. So I never found myself using it. Um, but now where I find myself now through the testimony of my life that the Lord has given me, as now being a father, I can understand what it is to be a father, those feelings that a father has towards a child. Um, I can understand that, Nora, and I find myself more and more now coming out to him and, and calling him and acknowledging him as father. Um, so the question is, you know, for us, you know, how do we acknowledge God? Like, um, do we just call him God? Do we just say Lord? And, and, and all of this, for me, what it does is it just reveals my relationship with him. I understood that I didn't have a father-son relationship with God through that. You know, it, it just it kind of opened that up to to my relationship with him. That I more viewed him as, you know, God Almighty. He's there. He's got control. You know, and I'm here. And or Lord, you know, the authority. I understood what a boss was. I understood. I understand what a king is. You know, to have an authority in my life. I knew those things, you know, and being saved, I understand who Jesus was and, and a savior and what that meant um, to come and to die for our sins, you know, but father, I didn't, you know. So how do we acknowledge God? What name do we use? <clears throat> and it will reveal our relationship with him. Um, but not only that, it helps to remind us of a specific characteristic of who God is in our lives. You know, I, the, how I approach God tends to um, lean towards, you know, what I need in that time in my life. Like, you know, when I cry out, Father, it's I need a loving Father in this time. When I cry out, Jesus, it's, I need to be reminded that I'm forgiven of these sins. You know, when I cry out, Lord, it's I need to understand that you have the authority in my life. You know, when I cry out, God, I need to know that you are all-powerful and have control over this world and, and my life, you know. So it reveals many things. And I think for here, you know, God is bringing Israel and Moses through this process to be like, I will have you understand now who I am as Jehovah, who I am as Redeemer of Israel, uh, you know, uh, not just a fulfiller of needs, but, um, you know, not just God Almighty, but Jehovah, you know, Redeemer. <clears throat> and it also brought me to Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow uh, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I love that last part there, you know, that all shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord you know, to the glory of God and the Father. You know, it's just like all those names are just all right there of who God is, who Jesus is, who our Father is, you know, who the Lord is, you know, and it's Jesus. And so a lot of times when I don't know <clears throat> where I'm at or, or, or how I'm feeling or whatever, I just cry out, Jesus, you know, I, I need you in this time. I need an understanding of, of, 
of the situation, of who you are in my life and what you're doing. You know, just cry out to Jesus because it's the name above every other name. You know, it has the most power in our lives. So as we continue on here in verses uh, 4 through 5, it says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. So right now, Moses has gone to God, has complained a little bit of not understanding the plan. God has reminded him of, you know, that he's, that God is the mighty hand that is going to move Moses to set them free. Um, but not only that, but that the plan is, you know, I am God Almighty to them, but I am also Jehovah, and, and this is for a purpose and for a plan to give them an understanding of who I am in their lives. And now he's going to set forth uh, reminders for Moses to kind of bring him back to, you know, the right perception of who God is. And, and there's four, three things there that I see. You know, he says that he established the covenant, uh, that he hears the groans, and that he remembers his covenant. <clears throat> and for him to establish a covenant, it's, it's to remind Moses of who is establishing this plan in the lives of Israel and Moses. You know, when we think of, he's, try, he's trying to say, think, look at me in this time. Look at who is establishing this plan. It's God. It's not man's plan. It's not your plan. So it doesn't have an opportunity to fail. You know, it, it's my plan. It's God who's establishing this. So it will go forth and I will set you free. And so it's knowing who establishes. And he's also reminding him that, Hey, I hear the groans. I hear the cries of Israel. And that's why this plan is going forth. He hears us in the midst of our trials. But not only that, like for us, knowing that he's the one that has established the plans in our lives, that has set us in the seasons and specific places and in specific times, to be able to walk us through this. Like knowing that God is the one who's established it. But not only that, but now knowing that God hears us in it. And Psalms thirty four seventeen says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He declares, uh, sorry, he delivers them from all their troubles. God hears us. Like, in the midst of our worst trials, in the midst of our worst pains, we know and we can hold on to the fact that God will hear us in those times and in those places. And not only that, but he remembers his covenant. And, and that there... For Israel and for us is to know that, you know, he, he remembers us. He knows the plans that he has for us. He, 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 he doesn't just set us towards, uh, you know, in a direction and then forgets about us, but he's set us in this direction. He's walking there alongside of us, you know, sometimes picking, enough, picking us up when we can't walk and walking us through it as well. So he remembers the covenant. He's not like man who will forget or... Uh, uh, who forgets at times, you know, important dates or this or that, or promises that we have promised people, but he's God and he doesn't forget and he remembers. <laughs> so as we continue on through uh, verses 6 through 8, it says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with Great, uh, with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob, and I'll give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. And at least, so, you know, Moses has has come to him, has complained. Uh, Lord's reminded him, I am stronger than Pharaoh. Uh, This is what I want to do in their lives. I want to establish, you know, my name as Jehovah to my people. Uh, And I'm going to remind you that this is my covenant, that this is, uh, that I hear your cries and that I remember this plan that I have for you. And now he finds himself like, this is what you're going to now say to Israel. This is what I want you to bring to them. Now that I've reminded you of the plan and of who I am, I now want you to take this to Israel and remind them. And really what stuck out to me there was <clears throat> in verse 7, it says, I will take you as my people and I'll be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And really that's, that's God's whole plan. Like for all of us, for all of Israel, for all of Israel, that's his plan. He wants to be our God. He wants to be in the midst of our lives. He wants us to follow after him with all that we have and have him guide our lives and have us bring him glory. Like that's all he wants for us. Like that was the whole plan of salvation. That was the whole plan of Jesus was to redeem us back to him so that we can now have a relationship with him. He just wants us. <clears throat> so it really just shows the heart of, of, of God towards his people, towards us. You know, as we find ourselves in the midst of these trials and in these seasons, we can know the heart of God. And, and through it all, it's just for us. It's to desire us. Uh, so, and what it, you know, in my devotions I was reading and it really stuck out to me. I, I was in John 20, verse uh, 17, and it says this. Jesus said to her, now this is after he's risen, Mary's come to the tomb and he's risen and he shows himself to Mary. And he says, uh, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And just that wording that he uses is very specific and it's very much so for a purpose. And it's to remind Mary and to those that are reading that now because this plan has gone forth, now because I have saved you from your sins and now that I am risen, it is finished. And what's finished? You are now my brethren. You are now co-heirs with me. And not only that, but I ascend to my Father. And not just my Father now, but your Father. Not just my God, but your God. And he, he, he opened that door for us to have that relationship with God. And that is what he's, what he's trying to remind Mary. And what he's trying to remind his disciples at that time. Because up until this point, you know, I, when Jesus is speaking to the Father of the Father, you know, it's his Father. And it's... And, it, and, it's, and it's his God, you know, and it's to go forth through this plan of then to where I can now redeem you back to God, redeem you back to the Father. Now he is my Father and he is your Father. He is my God and he is your God. And really that's, that's the plan. That's the plan so that we can come to God and say, you are my Father, you are my God. <clears throat> and the same thing here. Uh, you see his heart hasn't changed. From Genesis to Revelation, his heart hasn't changed. Uh, we see here that he just says, you know, I, I want to take you as my people and I will be your God. That's what his heart and his desire is. <clears throat> so the plan doesn't change. You know, Moses goes to, to God 
and I don't know what he was thinking at the time, but, you know, maybe he was hoping the plan would change. You know, this plan is not really working out, God. It's not really going the way I think it's going to go. Um, let's change it up. You know, uh, we're still stuck here in Egypt. So the plan doesn't change. Um, and for myself, at least, you know, salvation is here, but that, you know, and it was but for a moment, but now I found myself in this process of sanctification, and I want the plans to change at times. I want it not to be this way, Lord. I don't want it to be, you know, all these hours away from my family. I don't want that plan, Lord. I, can you build that character in me in, in a different way uh, to where it's not like that and a little bit easier for me, you know, and and just know that, like, in the midst of those trials, in the midst of those situations where we're struggling, where it's hard, where we don't understand, know that it's His plan and that it hasn't changed, but it hasn't changed because He doesn't change. And that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to know that we have a God that doesn't change. And to remind ourselves of there. But He's not going to take us out of the situation, but He's going to get us through it. And and really, you know, where I find myself now is that He's leading me through it. And for Israel and for uh, Moses, He's going to lead them through this to, to bring them through His plan. He, he didn't change up his plan. He's like, okay, I'm going to have you go to Israel now and say the exact same plan of what it was before, you know, but I need to share this with you again because I need to remind you because your eyes have come off me and it's come on to your situations, come on to the things that are happening to you now and not looking towards the finished product, not looking towards Canaan, not looking towards, you know, redemption and, and, and never really saving out of Egypt. And for us, you know, well, when I'm in the midst of the trials and in the midst of the of the struggles and the seasons, you know, when I find myself inwardly focused and, and boohoo and, and all this, it's it's because I've gotten my eyes off the off the end. I've gotten my eyes off Jesus. I've gotten my eyes off what He's trying to do in my life. He's trying to build me into a man in this family, to my wife and to my kid, that they can look at and be able to see God, you know, and be able to see a faithful man, being able to see one to extend himself not only for them but for those that are around me. Um, and that's the plan that he, you know, that's at least the bits of the plan that I can see now, you know, but I'm going to hold on to it because it's what I got and it's what's going to get me through. And, and for them, uh, for Israel and for Moses, you know, he's reminding them and saying, you know, this is the plan. Remember it, know it, know that it's of me and know that I'm going to bring you through it. So as we continue on in verse nine says, So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And there's really two things there. These are the two things that for me, at least, and it looks like for Israel, um, these two things have the capability to bring our eyes off the Lord in the midst of his plans, in the midst of what he's bringing us through and through our testimonies. And it's an anguish of spirit and cruel bondage, or it's, you know, it's being discouraged, you know, having our spirits discouraged, you know, our spirits are down, and our circumstances. Those are the two things that have the ability to bring my eyes off the Lord. But when it comes to spirit, you know, it, it brings me to Romans fifteen thirteen, and it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now when I think of the anguish of spirit of the Israelites. And for me, when I find myself there, 
It's like this. You can't just take away anguish of spirit. You know, it's like if I were to ask you, you know, to not think of a pink elephant, you know, you're going to think of a pink elephant. And if you don't, well then, man, you got this. (laughs) More so than I do. Um, But you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just not think of a pink elephant. You got to think of something else, you know, and for anguish of spirit. I can't just take the anguish of spirit away, but I got to fill it with his spirit. I got to fill it with the Holy Spirit. I got to replace it with something. I can't just not be something. I need to replace it with something. And what we replace it with is the Holy Spirit. What we replace it with is him. You know, instead of being bitter and and playing the violin and all those things, I replace it with his joy. I replace it with gratitude. I replace it with who he is in my life so that I can then continue on in what he's called me to. And as for circumstances... It just it brings me back to John sixteen thirty three, what I shared before. It says, These things, you know, I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation, but be of of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Our circumstances should not dictate our response. You know, they can, they do have the power to dictate our response. By all means, they do for me at times, you know, but do I then find myself going back to the Lord and having that perception dictate my response, you know, rather than my circumstances. Uh, do I give God more weight in the circumstance than the circumstance itself? <clears throat> so those two things, they have the power and a very strong power to derail us in our walks. And as it looked like it has derailed Israel in this time, um, the anguish of spirit and our circumstances. But there is a way to combat those. And we need to Remind ourselves of who God, you know, it comes down to that. It comes down to reminding us who God is in our lives. And I, and I really find, you know, my walk with the Lord and what it's been, it's just waking up every morning and reminding myself. You know, it's not this, you know, grandiose kind of lofty theological thing. It's getting up and, you know, Derek, you're saved. You know, you're not doing drugs anymore. You know, you got a wife and a kid and the Lord's brought you this and you're going towards heaven and, and, and now, you know, the Holy Spirit fills me and, and leads me in this day. And it's just reminding myself of the simple things, you know, the simple things, and they keep me going. And, and that's all it is, you know. And when I try to simplify this walk for myself, because it can get so confusing at times, is to remind myself that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can step into the next thing that God has for me. You know, and it might be hard, and it might be very challenging, it might be tiresome, and it might be all these things, but i got to know that it's God doing it and not me. <clears throat> So as we continue on in verses 10 to 13, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So, and really, what we see here is Moses still really just not feeling like the guy for the job. Um, and for myself, sometimes when I find myself in the calling of being a disciple, of calling, of being a manager um, of a store, of the calling of being a father, of the calling of being uh, a husband, uh, uh, you know, and all these things the Lord's calling me to do, there's a lot of times where I just feel like I'm not the man for the job, uh, 
you know, like, God, if you only know who, knew who I was, you wouldn't have me be doing this. You know, but the thing is, like, God knows who we are. He knows who he's called. He knows who he's calling into and who he's chosen for this thing. And, and, and you know, God knows Moses, and he knows the man that he chose for this job. And it just reminds me of, of John fifteen sixteen. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. When all is said and done, where I find myself in my walk with the Lord, and what I, have, what I see Him calling me into, and what He has me doing, I need to remember one thing. It wasn't because of me. I didn't get myself here. You know, I'm not the one that picked myself up out of the dirt and, and got me to Whitefish, Montana. You know, it's not me. You know, I got to remember and I got to know that it was God who chose me. You know, it's not me who brought salvation to myself, but it's God who reached down, plucked me out and chose me to receive this this gift. Um, And for Moses and for the people of Israel, they got, you know, for Moses right here in particular, like he's got to know it's, you know, it's not him. You know, like it's, it's not you because of who you are. It's you, it's because of who I am, being God. You know, it's not you, Moses. I didn't choose you to redeem Israel because you had this special power, this ability, because you were eloquent of speech and you learned all these things from the Egyptians and this and that. Um, But it's because of me. You know, it's because I picked you up and I chose you to, again, be the vessel to redeem my people. And so, just, you know, when I find myself in those times of, of in the trials and, and in the seasons of life that have this, such an ability to bring me down or distract me from God's purpose. It's, I got to remember and I got to know that it's God who's chosen me and plucked me up and put me in this place. You know, as, as tough as it could be at times, you know, um, up here, you know, in, in the dead of winter, you know, as, as hard as it is, I got to know that God plucked me out and brought me up here to live in a place where, you know, two thirds of the time there's snow on the ground. Um, and I don't ski. And so all I do is shovel. And, you know, <laughs> so thanks, Lord. But I got to know, he's the one that plucked me out and put me here, you know, and it's for a purpose and it's for a reason. It's for, um, it's for him. It's to bring him glory. And it's, it's not only that, but it's to build a character within me, you know. He's going to build a character um, with me and my two hands and that shovel, you know. He's going to build that character in one way or the other, you know. If it wasn't that, I'd be sweating down somewhere in Southern Cal, or I don't know. I don't like the heat really that much either, so I'm not happy either way. <laughs> so that's where I find myself. Um, but it's better to be where God has us and in His plan than where we could bring ourselves. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, this next part, I'm kind of just going to fly through from 14 to 27 because um, there's a lot of names, and I'm sure. Some really good scholar could pick apart all these names and kind of lay it out for you. Um, but there's just really one thing that I see here. And so let's just have a fun time as I butcher all these names. And as we read this, you know, it'll be entertaining at least. So verse 14 says, These are the heads of their father's house. The sons of uh, Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanach, Pelu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon were uh, Jamel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zorah, Shal, and the son of Canaanite, the son of a Canaanite, 
yeah, of Canaanite woman. These are the families of Simeon. <clears throat> These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And the years of, of the life of Levi were 137. The sons of Gershon were Libni, Shim, Shimi, according to their families. And the sons of Kohath were Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uzil. And the years of, of Kehoth were 133. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. <laughs> I must have not been right if you're laughing. <laughs> These are the families of, of Levi according to their generations. Now Amram took for himself Jochebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram were 137. The sons of Iz- Izar <laughs> were Kohor, or Korha, Nepheg and Zikri, and the sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elsaphan, and Zithri. Aaron took to himself Elisheba, daughter of Aminadab, the sister of Nishan, as wife, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Leazar, and Ithamar. I think I crushed that section there. (laughs) (laughs) And the sons of Korah were Asir, Elkanah and Abiasaph. These are the families of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putiel as wife, and she bore him Phineas. And these are the heads of the father's house of the Levites, according to their families. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. <clears throat> so, I mean, you guys followed that, right? <laughs> um, but really, you know, when I look at this, and what, really what the Lord spoke to me in this part, He knows who He calls. You know, he's able to go back and look at the genealogy of, of Moses and Aaron and what brought them to, you know, where they are. And he knows all the people in their family who got them to be where they are in this time and in this season, you know, and he knows who he calls. You know, he knows exactly the callings that he has on my life and on your life and on Moses' life. Like, he knows that in this time and in this season, we've been plucked out to be where we're at, to go forth and do what God's called us to do. He knows, you know, he knows this Moses. It's not a different Moses. He says it right here. No, these are the same Moses and Aaron. It's these, this Moses. You know, uh, uh, there was probably a lot of Moses and a lot of Aaron's around. But it's these ones from these specific parents, from this specific lineage that I have and that I know and that I've called. And for us, you know, he knows who we are. He knows that he's called us and what he's called us to. And really... You know, when it comes down to it, if I could just simplify kind of this teaching for myself at least, it's to remember the calling. Um, For Moses, for Israel, it's to remember the call that Moses had to deliver, uh, to be the tool that God would use to deliver Israel. And it's uh, and we got to remember that in the midst of that calling, it's not us who's going to um, bring God's plans to fruition, but it is by simply abiding in Him 
and understanding that we're called and being able to wake up every day and remind ourselves and to continue on in what the Lord has for us in those lives, that he can then fulfill what it is he wants to fulfill in our lives and in our callings. <clears throat> and I just kind of want to end with this. Um, you know, Kendra and I were able to go to the movies uh, Sunday night, first time, you know, in a long time, well, ever since Judah was born. Um, but Katie and Monica blessed us with a babysit. So they watched him. I think they had a fun time. They love Judah. Who doesn't love Judah? Um, but we were able to go out to the movies. And we went and we saw this movie called Indivisible. Don't know if you saw it. You should see it. It's really cool. Um, it's actually, you know, it's a Christian movie. Um, at least they talked a lot about Jesus in it. So I don't know if they call themselves a Christian movie. But it was a Christian movie. But it was like a really good one. You know, you know how sometimes it could be kind of cheesy and you just... You don't really want to sit through them. Like, there's that one football one. I don't know what it's called. But he's, like, on the yard line, like, yelling at this kid to crawl with this other kid on his back. And it's just, it's not really encouraging. It's kind of more off-putting. Um, but this movie was really good. Like, it was really good. And you'll know why, because I'm going to start to explain it to you. And you'll know why it was really good to me. But it was about this, um, this guy, and he was an army chaplain. And for all of you that know me, like, I'm really cool into guns and all that stuff. Like, I like that stuff. But I'm really into, like, the military and stuff, too. But so he's an army chaplain. And if you don't know what a chaplain is, it's basically like a pastor for the army. Um, So he's just out of boot camp. I'm going to ruin the movie for you. So Uh, he's just out of boot camp, and he goes to Iraq. And um, he's now in Iraq, and he just got out of boot camp. And now he's thrust into this war zone, and he needs to be a chaplain for these soldiers. And he goes through... And like you know, it just it, it's it's in the Iraq War, so there's just like scenes of him going through bombs and and people are dying around him, and it's like it's tough, you know. But in this whole time, like he went out, and his wife and him, like they agreed, like this is the calling on our lives. Like I'm going to be a soldier, you're going to be a soldier's wife, and this is the calling that we have in our lives. So they go out and they do it, and you know, he then comes back, and the speech that he gives his soldiers that he's there with before they come back is, you know, you got to prepare yourself for coming back. Like the battle was hard here, but you're going to battle your mind as you go home. Like talking about, you know, just the the stresses of war and how that's going to change you and your character and all those things. And he warns them and he says, reach out for help, you know, reach out for help. Well, he goes back and he finds himself with those very problems, with PTSD, with that struggle that he encouraged them to now be in and and like you know people got soldiers got saved there he led people to christ there and all those things but he now finds himself in a place in a situation where he questions you know questions who he uh you know who he is he questions his faith in god and they go through this whole struggle with him and his wife and you know they finally get through it and you know the marriage is now fixed and and you know they're on the upward swing now after this long trial this long season this long uh, testimony that the Lord's trying to build in them, and they're on the upswing, and then his army commander comes and says, hey, the special forces needs a chaplain, and you're the guy for the job. And he's like, no, I can't do that. He's like, we just got out of this. You know, me and my family are uh, we're doing good now. It's all good. I'm sorry, but I can't. And he goes home, and his wife pulls him aside, and he's like, so, you know, when you pack in, when are you going, you know, for the job? And he's like, what are you talking about? He says, you know, your commander, whatever, called me, and and inform me of the job. He's like, when are you going? And he's like, I can't do that. And, she, and she's like, no, like, this is the calling we have on our lives. And they come back to the calling that's on their lives. Like, even though this season was so painful for them, so hard, and almost broke them all up, like, they come back to the calling. That they're not going to shy away from the calling. They're not going to um, try and get out of it or take the easy route. But they're going to remember it. They're going to remember the calling that's on their lives, and they're going to continue in it. 
So he goes off and becomes, you know, special forces chaplain, and she's then ready again to be taking care of the kids on her own, and, you know, and being that army, uh, you know, the soldier's wife of coming with the other wives and just, you know, doing life. And, and so I want to leave us with that. Just remember the calling. Like, it, this whole chapter was to remind Moses of the plan in his life. And, and for me, it was just to remind me of the plan that God has in my life and to remember that, remember the calling that he has in my life. And when, you know, the trials come, the seasons come, uh, know that it's, it's there for a purpose and God's with me in it. He's with us all in it. And he's going to build it in us that testimony to then bring him glory later on down the road. I don't know how he's going to use the season that I am in now um, later on in my life, but I know he's going to use it. You know, and that's what we got to remind ourselves that we're on this path towards um, sanctification so that the Lord could use us. <clears throat> so just remember the call.